And we find that the more we give, the more we have the ability to give and the bigger reason we have for providing the value that creates the abundance that allows us to keep giving. Welcome to the Abundant Couples Podcast. We are your hosts, Cassidy and Matt. And we're here to help you, awesome growth-minded human, create the most flourishing relationship that you know is possible. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics of relationship, intimacy, and lifestyle freedom. We believe that a great relationship is fuel for everything else in your life. So let's jump in and get fueled up. Hello, hello. What's going on? Today, we're going to talk about money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't worry, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of you might hear, we're going to talk about money and finances and be like, cool, sounds great. And then some of you might hear that and be like, ugh, sounds boring or awful. Yeah, so we're hopefully (laughs) going to shift all that and show just how it can really be a tool for your highest good and the highest good of the world and people around you. Because in the right hands, it can be a a really great tool. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we've learned over time the importance of financial literacy and financial integrity, which we're going to talk about. It's really important to us. And we recognize that finances can be one of the touchy subjects that come up in a relationship. One of the reasons that people fight and, you know, one it's a thing that can be pervasive like for a Mm -hmm. long time in a relationship and so today we're gonna start to look at what are the things that are making you stuck when it comes to your finances how can we unravel those things and then how can we get you and your partner on the same page on the same team when it comes to your finances so that you can move forward powerfully and create everything you want to in your life yeah So we all have a kind of money blueprint, sort of a set of beliefs that we have about money when it comes to what's the purpose of money, how we are with money, and most of these things are things that we've learned from our parents, from society, and again, just like we've been talking about in the last couple episodes, these are largely unconscious programming that kind of run the show that account for most of your behaviors patterns habits and so we want to shine a spotlight on them see what they are decide are they empowering do they create the kind of life that we want and if not what would be a better belief or a better way of looking at things such that everything's in alignment mm-hmm. yeah so the first step to getting clear on what your money blueprint is to begin with, is just to think about what common things do I think about when it comes to money. It might be that you have to work hard for money, or that you don't need money, or... It's not important. Money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Or I need money to, in order to feel successful or worthy, I need more money. Mm Mm-hmm. Or once I have this amount of money, then I'll be good. Yeah, and just recognizing that those are all personal beliefs. Even if it might seem like it's necessary, or you need this much money, you need to, um, you know, work hard. Those are all just your own opinion at the end of the day. 
even though sometimes opinion can seem like reality, we want to, again, recognize that that's just one way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. So if you're into diving into this, I'd encourage you to get a, a journal and just start writing down everything that you think you believe about money. And it can be helpful to think back to what kind of things did you hear your parents say about money or your teachers and see how those things have showed up in your life now. So just write down all the things that you think about money. Again, all those things we've said, we've probably believed at one point in some small way or have heard it at some point. So all those things we just kind of mentioned, very common, very um, fine to, to believe any of that. And just recognizing that even if there is a slight amount of that going on behind the scenes, it will show up and it will kind of stop you from what it is you want to create. Mm -hmm. So even if it seems small or insignificant, just, you know, let's let's bring that to awareness and find out what is running the show. Mm -hmm. So once you've written down all the things you believe about money, this is where we can put the fun tool of the four questions to work again. So if you aren't familiar with the four questions, well, first off, you can go a couple episodes back and learn all about them. But in summary, what we're going to do is for each of these beliefs, we're going to ask, is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I live when I believe this? And what would it be like if I didn't believe this? So let's take an example of I need to work hard to make money. Is it true? So your first gut reaction might be, yeah, it's true. But then if you ask yourself, can I absolutely know that it's true? Can you know with 100% certainty that you have to work hard for money? Are there people that work less hard that make more money or vice versa? People that work harder than you but make less? And the third question, how do you live when you believe you have to work hard for money? So just think about that for a minute. Maybe it means that you burn yourself out because you feel like if I want more money in my life, then I just need to work harder. Yeah, it could also mean that, you know, if you're not working, that you feel like some sense of need to work hard because you're not being productive and there's always something more to do. I know I've felt like that in the past. So yeah, recognizing the, the cost of that belief and seeing there could be another way of looking at it. Yeah, so whatever the belief is you're working with, just get curious about how does it shape how you live your life. And there are positives of these too, right? Oh, for sure. Maybe it's meant that you have worked really hard and you're proud of the work that you've done and you've, you know, had success and because of that effort that you've put in. So mm -hmm. just looking at all the ways this belief has shaped your life. And then moving on to the last question, what would it be like if I didn't believe this. So what would your life be like in this example if you didn't have the belief at all that you have to work hard for money? What possibilities would open up if that wasn't even a belief? Yeah, really everything yeah. would open up. Then it's, yeah, you can just kind of create with joy without the need to struggle or to fight an uphill battle. And you might see that it doesn't necessarily mean that you just become a lazy bum yep. but when you don't 
cling on to that belief that I have to work harder for money, it takes this weight off and allows your creativity to come through and you realize, well, if I don't have to work hard for money, what do I want my work to look like? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What could it like? Could I approach my work with more ease and joy? Could I shift my work to something that's more in alignment with what I really want to do rather than feeling like I just got to grind it out over here? It just opens up a lot more possibilities when we think of what would our life be like without these beliefs. That leads us to the last part, which is the turnaround. So whatever belief you're working with, in this case, I have to work hard for money. We're going to turn it around and consider the opposite. So one turnaround is I don't have to work hard for money. Is that at least as true? Can you think of times in your life when you have made money and didn't have to work hard for it? Or can you think of examples of other people who that's true for? I remember when we went to the Millionaire Mind Experience, they had us chant a lot of affirmations. There were a few from there that stood out. Again, when this was my dominating belief of having to work hard for money, a few of the ones that really kind of hit home for me were, my money works hard for me. Mm-hmm. Is you know, I earn it, I invest it, it goes and works. Or I get paid without my labor, but based on the value that I provide. Yeah. Yep. And I get rich doing what I love. The less I work, the more I earn. And these were all kind of very out there, at least at the time. Just wait, the less I work, the more I earn. How does that work? But then recognizing as we want to create, as we want to bring about bigger and bigger projects, uh, we're going to have to learn how to um, earn more with less time. Because like you said, we only have a finite amount of time. So math tells us we need to learn how to earn more in less time. And so that was that was a big game changer. Yeah. And you just think about like, well, sometimes I think about someone like Tony Robbins. He's part owner of like 50 businesses or something that he's actively involved in. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I start to think like, oh, you know, I just got to work harder and, you know, or oh, I don't have enough time. And I start to feel like, you know, I just need to work harder in the same amount of time to get done what I need to do. I just remember Tony Robbins runs 50 businesses. It's not about like putting in more time, putting in more hard work. It's about getting creative and seeing where you can bring your highest value to every project and continuously increasing the level of value that you can bring into the world in the same amount of time, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily equate harder work. It's more aligned work, more creative work. Yeah. So run all of the beliefs that you can think about that you have about money through these questions and just start to see how your money blueprint has shaped the way you've approached your finances and you've approached your work and your life. And then recognizing that each person in the relationship will have their own beliefs. And usually it's the colliding of those blueprints that can sometimes cause that strife or that friction. Sometimes they just work amazingly. And most of the time they they probably will. But it's those few instances where you might not see eye to eye that uh, they can get challenging, especially around money Mm -hmm. and emotionally charged 
subject. So oftentimes in a relationship, you'll notice that one of you is more on the saver side and one of you is more on the spender side, or as Dave Ramsey calls it, nerd and free spirit. (laughs) So think about your relationship and you can think about other couples that you know too. Maybe think about your parents and see this interaction of one who's more concerned about saving, more maybe uptight about money, and the other that's more like, oh, you know, just enjoy it and do whatever. And each of these has their positive qualities and has their benefits. And it's just important to get clear on who is more in which role so that you can leverage the strengths of those roles and collaborate to avoid the weaknesses of each of the roles. Mm-hmm. So you can probably guess who we are in this. <laughs> of course, I'm the free spirit. <laughs> no, I'm the I'm the nerdy budget investor kind of guy in this relationship. Yep. And I'm the free spirit. Yeah. And so we'll take you back to when we weren't as aware about this and kind of how it showed up in our life and what we've learned along the way. So when we were thinking about this, the first example we thought of goes way back, way back. Yeah. yeah. Hop in the time machine back to 10 years ago. When we first moved in together in university, we had this jar, this like porcelain cookie jar (laughs) that was sitting on the ledge by the door where we put our grocery money in every week. So every week we would each put in $40 for our grocery budget. And being university students, of course, we were pretty budget conscious. And at the grocery store, that was starting to look like choosing the most cost effective food, not necessarily the the healthiest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, coming from my more nerd background on the money side, it was, you know, we have a certain amount of income coming in, we've got certain amount of expenses, you know, we had this much allotted for food. So if we want to uh, eat, then we have to stretch that $80 as far as possible every week, right? Yeah, exactly. And that was just okay, that just kind of made sense to me so that we were in the green each month. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I I've always been quite into health. And I found it was really important for me to buy fresh organic food. And I wasn't so concerned about staying in the budget as I was getting organic food. So we had this kind of like little point of tension every time we were in the grocery store where I'd be going for the organic things and Matt would be like, well, it's kind of expensive. Why don't we just get this one instead? And it wasn't until we took a step back and recognized like we're coming from different perspectives here. Mm -hmm. Let's think about what's really important to us when it comes to our groceries and our food and let's adjust accordingly. Yeah. And recognizing we can have the best of all of it because what I wanted wasn't to eat unhealthy. It was to be uh, making good financial decisions. I just remembered what we did. Actually, I had Mm. forgotten about it until right now. Mm. We ended up, we're like, okay, so it's important for us to eat healthy. We're, We're on board with that. Like we both want to be healthy and we agree that buying healthy food is part of being healthy. 
but we also want to stick within our budget. So I remember you made a spreadsheet of all the healthy foods and their uh, cost per pound. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? And nutrition. And, yeah, 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 yeah. We, you rated them on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10 for nutrition. Yeah. And you wrote their cost per pound. And we found out <laughs> which foods are the most nutrition per dollar that's true we did <laughs> ultimate nerd style yeah. i forgot about yeah, that yeah, yeah. that is ultimate nerd yeah. style <laughs> now you don't need to do that <laughs> but uh we found out that red lentils are true very healthy per dollar yeah <laughs> i remember that was <laughs> caviar not so much not so much yeah <laughs> not that we we're eating caviar but yeah um, so. so that was a helpful thing then we could go okay so Given the constraints of our reality right now that we want to spend $80 a week on groceries, which is a pretty tight budget, and that it's important to us to be really healthy, here's where we can focus our spending, and here are the things it doesn't make much sense to buy. And then we had a strike price for each food. So, for example, for like meat, uh, it'd be like $10 a pound or less. Same thing with nuts vegetables more more like five dollars and that that just became a really good habit that we like to use all the time now for everything is just separating the difference between price and value because there's a lot of things we love doing and when the price is right we'll do them and when it's not we can afford to wait because there's better places to spend so having that value in mind is a it's a great habit mm-hmm. um, and we also saw okay what would we like to do in the future well, in the future, would love to be able to spend 100, 150 bucks a week on groceries. So we saw that in order to do that, we'd have to adjust our income accordingly. So even though we might have been a little bit constrained and we were still able to do both things, stay in the budget or, you know, come out ahead each month and have the health and nutrition and saw that we want to be able to expand that budget, I guess we'll need to make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got... All on the same team there. Again, it wasn't as straightforward as that. There was, you know, weeks of back and forth, bit of tension here or there, but saw that, okay, what do we ultimately want? Probably ultimately want the same thing. And now let's combine our values and make a game plan. Yeah. So this is what we're going to encourage you to do now when you're coming together as a couple to, you know, optimize your finances. The first part is getting really clear on what you want in your lives, what you value. I won't dive too much into it here because we've got an episode all about lifestyle design. I believe it's episode number three. So you can go listen to that to get really clear on your vision for your future individually and as a couple. And the reason you want to get really clear on this first is that once you have a clear vision for your future, then you can start to align your finances based on what you want to create and how you want to live. And you'll want things on a regular basis, like just lifestyle, and then you might want some bigger things as well, some short, medium, long-term goals. Maybe it's a trip, maybe it's a car, maybe it's a savings for a kid going to college. There's a, a lot of different goals you can have, and it's important to get clear on what's everything. That you'd like. Yeah, so you can start to create kind of a financial wish list of here are the things that I would love to be able to do on a regular basis, 
like you said, short, medium, long-term goals, and then start putting a dollar value to them. And this becomes really empowering because a lot of people think, oh, it'd be nice to do that, but I can't afford it. Or, oh yeah, you know, I maybe one day sort of thing. And what we found doing this and what we've seen for other people is that a lot of times it becomes a lot more attainable when you can actually see, oh, it only costs this much. Or it also becomes maybe a little more clear if something's, you know, way out there, you can start thinking, okay, what would be another way I could achieve the same experience, maybe without that large sticker price? Yeah, for example, say you've been saying you want to travel. Mm -hmm. Well, just saying, oh, I wish I could travel more. In that, that kind of wish puts you kind of in a victim stance of just wishing for something and feeling like you can't have it. And that's pretty disempowering. But when once you really put a cost to it, well, what would it cost to do that? And then you can decide, am I willing to pay that? willing and able to pay that. If it's a no, then you can stop have wishing about it and yeah. just, you know, hey, come I'm, to terms. I'm choosing not to. Yeah. And that's it's a, a lot better then. than, oh, I wish I could. Yeah. It's, you know, I could. I'm just not willing to spend tens of thousands on that. Yeah. yeah. Or you see, okay, this is the cost. Yep, I'm willing to pay that. How can I make it happen? And then you can start to actually put a plan in place and take action. And now you're no longer in the wishing zone. You are in the action, making it happen zone. Yeah. Now we do this for things as small as $10. And we also do this for things, you know, when we're buying properties for millions of dollars, like it's the same process, no matter what, it's just getting clear. And is it worth it to me? You know, again, there's some things that are worth tens of thousands of dollars for us that we spend crazy amounts of money on courses and education. And then there's things that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend $20 on something because it's just not worth it. You mm -hmm. know? But getting really clear on what is the cost? What is the value to us? Are we willing to pay that? Is it worth it for us? Then that becomes a very um, yeah, creator mindset. We're always the ones being able to choose what we're able to do. Yeah, so once you've laid these out clearly, the things that you want, how much they cost, then you can start to see what changes do we need to make to our finances to align our saving and spending to our values and our vision. And this is where playing your roles well in the relationship will help. Usually it's the free spirit that kind of wants to do everything. And wants to do all the dreaming and, yeah. oh, I want to do yeah. this and I want to travel and yeah. I want to get this awesome house and the nerd can kind of jump into well we got to do you know it's it's time to kind of get out of the um the constraints part for now and start just putting a price to it and then start seeing okay what would it take for that to happen mm -hmm. if we did want to go on a trip in a year from now and it costs us five thousand dollars well that would be you know four hundred and fifty or something like that per month that we need to save is that something we're willing to do? So the And how do we need to adjust our finances yeah. on a monthly basis to make that happen? So that'll be more on the the nerd side doing the, doing the math. But yeah, collectively coming together to decide what do we want. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately there'll probably be choices. Cuz yeah. while we may want to do everything, it may only be possible for now to do a select number of things. Some and things might be not right now, maybe later, might be a uh, just a straight up no, or it might be a, let's, let's see if we can make it work. 
And when you start kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the numbers, it's totally natural if you are more of the free spirit role. <laughs> it's totally natural that you might kind of feel like, Ugh, yeah, I don't want to think about this. And that is totally okay. So for us, like, I'm okay with numbers and I'm okay to like do some math and think about these logical things, but I'd much rather be in the like dreaming about the future phase. <laughs> so this is a point where I let Matt take over the reins, do the math, but I'm still there like coming along for the ride. And I think that's the important part. If you are the free spirit is being open to, to having that, conversation to to showing up and yeah. talking about it being a willing participant yeah so that the nerd doesn't feel like they've got to like twist your arm yeah. into you know changing around the finances and vice versa for the nerd to be kind of open-minded about okay maybe you know it is okay to to spend a little more you might find too you know you agree on a lot of things when it comes to your values and your vision and your spending but there might be like a couple areas where your values are different mm -hmm. and that's okay like it's good to recognize that too when you're looking at how do we want to allocate our money there might be some things where it's important to one of you and not to the other leaving some space when you're creating this vision and plan for your money leaving some space for where you have different values as well yeah just have individual spending i think we gave ourselves like a hundred bucks a month each way back when, mm -hmm. uh, to, to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we just kind of have an unofficial bit, but still kind of like check in for the larger expenses. Yeah. So after this kind of wish list phase of putting dollar values to things and deciding what it is that's worth it to you to allocate money toward, this is where we start getting into budgeting. Yeah. Woo, fun. <laughs> now, budget can sound pretty like boring and restrictive but uh it actually is really freedom when you really see the the power of it exactly it's not necessarily budgeting doesn't mean that you have to you know cut back this and only spend money on this and not do fun things i used to think that's what budgeting meant but our experience with budgeting is that it's a way for us to to recognize that okay we have this amount of money coming in. We got two options. Either we don't pay much attention to it, spend it in some way, and at the end of the month wonder what happened. Or we take that same amount of money, decide ahead of time how we would love to allocate that money this month, and then go and do it without having to think, ooh, should we do that? Should we spend that amount of money? And then it becomes very easy to say yes or no to mm -hmm. things just like, oh, yep, not in the plan. Cool. And planning for things not in the plan as well, but more or less staying on track with what you have coming in, what you'd like going out, and then, again, just putting you in the driver's seat of your finances. Totally. So you're not only budgeting for your necessities and some saving, but you're also budgeting for your fun. So we started a play account where a certain percentage of our money coming in goes into the play account, just like a certain percentage goes into our savings, because we want to have fun. What's the point of having any money if you're not enjoying any of it? 
Mm-hmm. Money is this like energy that gives you the ability to do things in the world. So how much of that do you want to go toward doing fun things within the constraints of your reality? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's nice to, I think we started out having more or less an equal amount. We would put aside like 10% of our income to fun, 10% to savings. And I think any, any combination of that is good. When you're focusing on both and you're setting aside money for that, you're really getting the two sides of the polarity coming together. You're having the fun, you're having the free spirit, and you're also being strategic and planning for your future. Yeah. This was really helpful for us when we started a play budget, a fun Mm -hmm. budget. I remember we used to be really hesitant about going out for food and well, more Matt because of the saver blueprint. Mm -hmm. He would be kind of like, oh, we just went out last week. Like maybe it's a bit much. And I would be like, my free spirit would be like, oh, but I want to. And (laughs) I would love this kind of food and let's just do it. And when we started budgeting for our fun... And we had a separate account where we put 10% of all the money that came in into that account. We would go, oh, we got $100 and it's date night. Let's do this. And then Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you don't feel like, oh, should we get dessert? We got $100. Let's do it, you know? And that money's been allocated for that purpose. So it gives you this feeling of freedom to just relax and enjoy it rather than wondering if you should be spending it or is it too much. Yeah. And so way back when, when we were first doing this, we saw that we wanted to one day be able to travel and do it on a long-term basis to be able to be abroad half the year even and still live the way that we wanted to. Mm -hmm. So it was by designing, it was working within the budget that we currently had and then designing our ideal budget and lifestyle such that we could get there. And I think that's that's really fun, especially to the, the nerd side of things is seeing, okay, what do we want our life to look like? And then what would that budget, what would our allocation there be? Yeah, your current budget yeah. and your ideal budget. And then you can see what changes do we need to make? Like how do we need to increase our income or do we need to shift spending from this area to this area? What changes do we need to make to make this future budget possible? Yeah. And for those that are curious about traveling and how how we like to travel a lot, we just saw that we have our major expenses of rent, of travel, food, and entertainment, and of course, having our our savings and investing still going. So when you can forecast that, and what we found is if we can get it down to somewhere around 100 to $150 a night for all of that, then, uh, then we're able to just travel. And of course, be able to set things up in a way that we can work from abroad. That was one of the things we had to do. But from a, a budget perspective, uh, if we could get by on, you know, that works out to $4,500 a month between renting a place, between our flights, uh, between going out for food, cooking food, then we were able to make that a way of living. Mm-hmm. And it really just came down to that empowering process of designing that budget and then sticking to it. So when we're abroad, we'll we'll end up renting a place for a longer time because that can lower our monthly cost. We'll get you know, a place with a kitchen so we can lower our food. We'll stay in one place for longer so that our transportation cost is less per day. 
Yep. So for example, you take a flight that's $1,000, but you're only staying for a week. Well, that's $1,000 for a week of travel, but we take a $1,000 flight and stay for three months. That becomes a lot more Yeah, it's like 80 doable. bucks a week now. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more effective. So yeah, it's things like that. Really anything's possible with a strategic budget and you can just say, how do we want to live? Okay, let's set it up now so that we're building towards that. And then let's see one year from now, five years, 10 years, what do we want our ideal budget to look like then? And we're always doing that, always creating how do we want to do this? Yeah. 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 Because anything that you want to create in your life, um, you know, your finances are going to help you to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's really a process of manifesting the kind of life you want to have. Yeah. And two other areas of spending that we didn't quite touch on, but are super important are education and giving. I'll start with education. So why is it important to spend money on education? You are your number one most important investment. That's something that really stuck with us when we started getting into personal growth. And we were putting almost pretty much all the money we had into personal growth courses. But we recognize the more we learn and the more we grow ourselves, the more we'll be able to create in the world, the more value we'll give to the world. And financially, that'll all come back to us tenfold. Yeah, yeah, always does. So what, whatever kind of education, whether it's traditional schooling or personal development or books or courses, seminars, um, it's all great. And it's, yeah, we invest a lot and that's, that's our best return on investment for sure. Yeah. And then giving, because it is really important to be in financial integrity. And when you are um, really blessed to, to have money, it's important to be able to put it to causes that uh, go beyond just ourselves. Cause it's mm -hmm. great to do all the things we want to do, but you know, we're here for bigger purposes than, than just that. So finding meaningful causes that you can help whether with finances or time or some amount of energy that you're putting towards that cause. Yeah, it is really important. Yeah. And we find that the more we give, the more we have the ability to give. And the bigger reason we have for providing the value that creates the abundance that allows us to keep giving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It comes back to financial integrity. Like if we're really clear about what we value and the kind of world that we want to see and then we line up our spending to support creating the kind of world we want to see not only are we helping to create that better world but also we're becoming a vessel that's worthy of having the energy of money come through us because we're responsibly allocating it with good intention mm -hmm. We're generous givers and excellent, excellent receivers. receivers. Yeah, more <laughs> money affirmations. Those things work. They're they're a little corny sometimes, but we found them working. So yeah. I am so happy, happy and, and grateful, grateful now that, that money comes to me in increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continuous basis. <laughs> we've we've gone That's down a Bob the Proctor one that yeah. stuck with us. Yeah, you can Google it. It's it's good. It's it's on YouTube. I'll put a link <laughs> sure, in the show not? notes to yeah. that video. Yeah. If you want to just start reprogramming your mind with more positive money beliefs, then definitely go check that out. Yeah. All part of the education process and really everything, everything works. It's being positive and intentional with your, with your finances. And so whatever interests you, whatever motivates you to 
continue learning, continue improving. It's all, it's all awesome. Coming back to financial integrity for a moment, it reminds me that, you know, it's important to have your own concept of what a successful life looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Because I used to think when we first started doing the entrepreneurial thing and we went to courses and they talked about making more money and I had a money blueprint that said, well, I don't need money to be happy, which for 99%, that's a great belief. Like Mm -hmm. to not attach my happiness to money, to me, that's a very important positive belief. Mm -hmm. But it also made me value money less and it stopped me from seeing the ways in which more funds could allow me to create more in the world and to basically live a fuller life if used intentionally. And I used to think like, have this image in my head of what rich people were like. And again, my money blueprint said rich people are greedy, you know, it's all corrupt, (laughs) everything (laughs) like this. And I just started one day, I remember having this thought like, wait, what if I could just be me with more money? (laughs) And I know it sounds simple, but it actually really transformed me because I used to think, oh, you know, being rich meant I would change into this like greedy, crummy person. Somewhere in my subconscious, even though that sounds ridiculous, that's what I thought. But I realized, no, I can literally just be me but with more money. And then I can just create more in the world with that more money. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, now in the future, me with more money still only shops secondhand or handmade clothing because to me that's important because I care about the environment and not producing more waste than I need to. I still you know, reuse things like crazy and do all these thrifty things because it's important to me. And having more money hasn't changed my values or the way I live, but it's allowed me to put more energy to the things that are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now you drive an electric car. Yeah. So there you go. Even more in alignment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's another example of financial integrity Uh, in our lives. This year, we got a Tesla, which was exciting for us because it's been on our vision board for a long time. But before our Tesla, we had a series of crappy cheap cars and a short lease, and that's it. So we had not bought a car other than for like a couple thousand bucks up until the point of buying a Tesla. Because for us, it just didn't make sense to spend money on a car that we didn't really want. Like we didn't want to support the car industry and all the, you know, gas and everything. So we decided instead of buying a new car or a nice car, let's save that and invest invest it. it. Yep. So that we can get the car that we really want, the electric car, sooner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also did it by just sharing one car and... Yeah, a lot of couples have two cars when if you just got a little bit creative, you might be able to cut it down to one car 
yeah, it's just sometimes there's a little bit of overlap, or most of the time we just drive together for things. Um, and recognizing our circumstance is unique for sure, but there's there's always creative ways of doing things. Yeah. And so rather than us buying two different cars, we can instead, yeah, buy one. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, and again, your circumstance might be different, but... It's just that out-of-the-box kind of thinking exactly. that allows you to create things. Um, when we tell people about our, our travel budget, people are often surprised that sometimes we save money by, by traveling. And it's again, just looking at all the ingredients, seeing how we can play to our strengths, and then coming up with that collective vision and plan to, to make it all happen. Yeah, knowing what's important to you and seeing how you can align your finances to reflect your values and your vision. And that's living an abundant life. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a review and share it with the people that you care about because we can all use a little more love in our lives. Until next time.